welcome to another episode of the How Long To Be Podcast. I'm your host, Paula, joined today as always by Josh or Avatash. What's up, everybody? And today we have a beefy one. First of all, uh, we have a lot of fitting games, some retirements, and of course, we've been playing a lot of stuff. But more <laughs> than that, this, the topic for the week is the uh, Steam Next Fest. So a couple of weeks ago, we have uh, an event over on Steam and we played a lot of the boss and someone took their uh, job very seriously so we'll be well, here for to, a while to be fair i had i had covid in the last couple of weeks so i was sick and i played a lot of demos but we'll talk about that <laughs> we'll talk about it later um and finally we'll finish up the episode with finally we finish up the episode huh. uh, with guess the game uh where is josh turn to quiz me uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully I won't uh, work it la as last time so let's see I've got one got one ready to go that I think it could go either way I think you might get it straight away but maybe it'll take you a couple of guesses I don't know so we'll see that actually has <laughs> me worried <laughs> so yeah why don't you start you've beaten a lot of stuff yeah, so a, a running theme for this episode for me is I'm going to go through things fairly quickly uh, because I have, yeah, I've, I've played a lot of demos, I've played a lot of short games and stuff, um, and not necessarily have a lot to say about all of them either. So uh, as far as what I've completed this last uh, couple of weeks, because we had a, a week off, um, I played Frog Detective The Entire Mystery, which is all three episodes of Frog Detective. Uh, I had previously played the first episode and I think the entire mystery was either on Game Pass or it was given away as like a prime gaming game or something, but I found it that I had it somewhere. So I thought, oh, cool. I'll play the rest of them. Um, not only is it made in Australia, so I'll give that a plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Frog Detect is basically a cute little, uh, puzzle game where you play as a frog who, has to go to a location <laughs> and interview a lot of other animal kind of characters and find out there's a mystery to solve and which is usually fairly simple and um they're very short kind of episodes as well like i think the first one only took me like half an hour or something but um they're just fun very light very entertaining uh definitely worth playing if you have access to them but um yeah they're not meant to be hugely in-depth games they're just fun quick light little uh things so yeah that was fun i finished fear which we were playing for game of the month um again pretty much everything i've said before remained true to the end where i enjoyed it i liked the nostalgia of it for myself because i remember hearing about it when it came out and the things that i heard about it were that the ai was cool and did interesting things that other games weren't doing and that kind of stuff so it was not it was fun to play through that and actually see what the hype was at the time and even though it has dated a lot and yeah it's definitely not the same as modern first person shooters and it has its own issues and everything i still really enjoyed it because it i think it was a big nostalgia trip basically because it like made me feel like i was back in that era playing a first person shooter again which i haven't really done for a while because interestingly most retro shooters like new ones that get made in old styles kind of get made in like you know Duke Nukem 3D kind of era engines as opposed to the awkward kind of 
Half-Life 2 era kind of engines. <laughs> um, so it's fun to play something from that era, which is kind of in between retro and modern. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. Uh, I played a couple more Cube Escape games. I played Harvey's Box and Case 23, which, again, don't have much to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey's Box is my favorite, though. Or one of my oh, nice. favorites. Yeah, well, I mean, they were still just as good as the the first ones that I played. Um, very cool puzzle games. I love the surreal atmosphere and uh, setting and all the disturbing stuff that happens that you uncover along the way. But, you know, we don't want to spoil that. Um, but yeah, still solid puzzle games. I'm still enjoying going through the collection. I'm going to basically continue and I'll probably have more to say when I get onto some of the other games as well, like other than just the Cube Escape stuff. But uh, yeah, played that. Uh, finished Lords of the Fallen 2014, not to be confused with Lords of the Fallen that just came out <laughs> by the same name and the same developers or publishers, or I can't remember someone. It's stupid. Um, it was good. The thing I liked, I can see why it didn't do very well at the time because it's good, like it's a solid game, but it's not, There's there wasn't anything in it that really stood out as like, ah, now I'm hooked kind of thing. <laughs> where like you know dark souls has the never-ending oppressiveness of its setting and even lies of p recently has that uh, steampunky kind of weird characters and interesting uh concepts and versions of pinocchio type stuff and fairy tales that kind of was a really good hook and whereas lords of the fallen was basically just felt like generic souls like copy kind of thing which you know i can forgive it for because it was the first major one that did that um so you know it it wasn't trying to go too far out of its way to i guess be super unique um having said that though there was some unique stuff in there the cool thing about it was that the map was actually quite it ended up feeling quite small because i don't know if you know but in like dark souls you know how you can you cruise around. It's a it's a classic thing in the series, like um shortcut porn, where <laughs> you'll head off in one direction and go through this you know maze like stru- structure or something, and then you'll find a door which will lead you right back to the beginning of where you were, and you're like ah, oh, and in your head you kind of understand how it all connects together, and you know you solve the maze kind of thing. Um, Lords of the Fallen had a lot of that, as in you ended up going back to the same places even multiple times. But the state has changed, so the enemies have changed, or um, people who were friends in the past are now enemies, or that kind of thing. Um, That's actually kind of cool. Or like a yeah, it's it's or sometimes like a boss would show up where you you have been previously, um, because the whole you know it's not really it's an old game, so I don't really mind spoiling it too much. But <laughs> there's like human NPCs who are fighting all these demons and stuff, and the big thing for your character is towards the end one of the big things that annoyed me about the game was it makes you feel like you have a choice of whether you support the demons or the humans, but you actually don't. There's no point where you actually get to choose. It just kind of, you know, makes you feel like your character's choosing, but your character actually chooses for you and you can't avoid it kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of annoying, but yeah, it's kind of, it's cool. I wouldn't tell anyone to rush out and play it unless you're like really keen on playing every single souls like that's out there but um it's decent especially if you pick it up cheap it's pretty good there's a fair bit of content um it's fun it's not really doesn't leave that much of an impression though i guess is the big takeaway uh 
<laughs> I'm sure in a, in a month I'll probably have forgotten most of it. So, <laughs> um, in addition to that, I played the Adventures of Bertrand Fiddle, Episode Two: A Bleaker Predicament, which I spoke about the first episode previously. It's basic point and click, kind of a bit of a parody of Sherlock Holmes and Watson style. Uh, mysteries um uh, this one's a bit longer than the first one and a bit more fleshed out it seems like the first one kind of was shorter in scope because now they've made a bit of money with the second one so or with the first one so now in the second one they've they've put a bit more into it and or at least had a bit more of a proof of concept so they've been able to expand it a lot more um so that's cool because it's pretty much a straightforward point and click if you like point and clicks it's a good one so i'd say pop it on your on your wish list um if you're like me and you just will play any old point and click because I'm a fan of the genre. So a lot of them are kind of crap, but this one's a good one. <laughs> and quite funny in parts too. Like it's actually written quite well. Uh, I played a game called Safe Cracker, the ultimate puzzle adventure, which I didn't really know much about. I was just kind of looking through my library going, oh, that looks like a fun puzzle game. Um, and this one is basically, it's one of those, it's, a, it's an old game. So getting it running was a bit of a effort. Um, because it wouldn't even, I have, well, the way it's set up is basically you go through this mansion and your, the story is that you're looking for someone who's died. You're looking for their will. Um, and, but to find it, you have to go through this mansion and there's a whole pile of safes and puzzles and locked doors and stuff to solve. And then once you've solved them all, you get to the final safe and you get, get, um, the dude's will and game over, you're done. So the game is all set up in this mansion and there's like a few floors and lots of rooms and it's one of those kind of mist era games where it's all 3d rendered and you move through like the 3d space uh that's all pre-rendered and everything and then when you click on things like there are little animations that play on the things you click on and that kind of stuff um and yeah there's lots of different puzzles to solve like as well as there being like just safes to crack and that kind of thing there's um there's like one puzzle where there's a fountain and there's four spouts of water that kind of spit into it on the side and as you walk around it keeps triggering the the spouts of water and you've got to try and fill up the fountain so that a key will float to the top and you can grab it and then go unlock something um so it's got lots of that kind of stuff uh but to get it running i had to like uh you can basically move around like mouse mouse and keyboard um but to actually click on anything i had to hold down like s on my keyboard for some reason otherwise the user interface just disappeared what? Um, <laughs> and if you look at it online, there's a lot of, of, uh, problems with whatever the graphics engine is or however it's rendering stuff these days does not fit well with modern, like windows 10 or modern OS's kind of thing. So pretty much it's held together by tape and a prayer. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> In order to work. Well, and I almost didn't play it until I just happened to hold down the S key, like as if I'm doing WASD, like moving backwards or something. Um, and I saw my cursor come up and I'm like, oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> you just move around with the mouse, like you look where you want to go and then you can like click onto the next scene or the next room kind of thing. Um, so I'm the whole time I'm just holding down S while I'm moving around and stuff and then letting go of it so I can do puzzles. And yeah, it was a bit of a wonky experience, but um, fun either way. Uh, so yeah. That's a kind of old game that no one's going to miss, really. But it was fun. And then lastly, what I have beaten, this is all just stuff I've beaten so far. Um, <laughs> I picked up the collection of games called Find All Games. 
Um, it's basically a series. There's like four in the series plus another game, uh, which I haven't finished yet. But they're basically just hidden object games, like really basic hidden object games. Um, I saw them. They were cheap uh, on special, and it was like eight bucks for all five games from the publisher. So I was like, cool, I'm in. I like a hidden object game every now and then. Uh thing I liked about it was from the first game to the fourth game, they got significantly longer and more to do because the first game is quite quick. You can finish it in like 20 minutes almost. Um, I think there's even achievement for beating it in five minutes. So once you know what you're doing, you can just kind of go through and click on everything and boom, you're done. Um, but on my first playthrough, I got the achievement for finishing in under 30 minutes, I think. So whatever. Um, <laughs> but then like the, th- when, by the time you get to the third and fourth game in the series, they are like a good few hours each to, to complete. So, um, they obviously have it. They obviously expanded it more and more, uh, with each game, which is, which is cool for cheap little hidden object games. I can't really ask for more. Um, the thing I like about these hidden object games that I haven't seen in other ones is when you find stuff, it colors it in. So you start off with just like a black and white line drawing. Um, and you're trying to find things in there, and it, it gives you a few things at a time, like not everything, but it'll say, okay, find these few things. Then once you find all of the cats that you're looking for, perhaps, it'll give you something else. It'll say, okay, now find all the dogs or whatever. And um, <laughs> as you do that, it colors things in. So once you've completed, say, you found everything in a building, it'll color in that whole building, and you'll know, okay, you're done with that building, and you can move on to the next one or something like that. So yeah, they're good. Um, Again, if you pick them up cheap and if you like hidden object games, it's a bit of a no-brainer. But otherwise, nothing that impressive. Just just a fun little distraction uh, here and there. But that's pretty much everything I've beaten right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm going to rip through these fairly quickly anyway. So uh, I beat a lot of little things. Um, that's something like not a lot of them stood out too much. Frog Detective was probably the highlight out of all of those and the Cube Escape games. Um, the rest of them were, were fun and... None of them were bad, but again, if Frog, Frog Detective and Cubescape were the, the highlights for sure. And yeah, that's pretty much everything I've beaten recently. <laughs> what about you, Paul? That was quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I finally finished Winter Wish. Not that I've been playing it for that long, but I still finish it. So um, there were like two roads left from the last time we recorded. Uh, first of all was Tom and Larry's route, who is basically the poster boy for the game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in case you're unfamiliar with it, like the poster boy is like the one love interest character that is like heavily featured on advertisement and usually like on the actual box of the game, at least in Japan. Uh, usually like for um, international releases or like... I guess the Western release, they usually go with uh, showing, like, everyone in the box. But in Japan, they usually okay. have, like, the one, or for the Parasite 2, uh, guys are, are usually, like, the, the poster boy and the one who is, like, heavily, prominently uh, featured on advertisement. So, final enough, <laughs> uh, Winter Wish is one of those rare occasions where the poster boy route isn't the last one. I mm. think I only seen it happen like in three other instances. Uh, one being 
Amnesia Memories and the other one being Via Fiore, which we'll talk more about later, link, link, much, much. And, uh, but anyways, I, um, I'm going on a huge tangent here. So, um, in the case of Tom and Irish Drought, we really go in depth into what's the uh, Susunos, the protagonist's past, uh, because up until now, um, there's two things we know. Uh, first of all, Susano is from uh, Hakuseki clan, that is like a special plant clan that used to be able to battle a rifle, but they suddenly disappeared like out of nowhere uh, 10 years ago, I think. And the other thing that we know about Susano, uh, besides her special ability, is that her mother was from Setkan, but Susano didn't really have memories from uh, before her mother went away. Uh, so, um, here in this route, uh, we really explore Susuno's past. We also have, like, a very interesting moment where, as in the other routes, like, Susuno was really, like, ready to fight almost. Or, like, um, got, even if she got to see, like, some brutal stuff, the only things that she ever saw actually being hurt or death were the bloodfall which leave, like, nobody behind because their monsters made of threats. But here, though, <laughs> there's a serial murder uh, going on, uh, going rampant in town. And the description of the victims is the gruesome indeed. So, uh, understandable. Susuno uh, starts, like, not really liking it here. And all the stuff that she has to actually see. After being like a shelter, a country bumping, banking like for so long, so she runs away from beauty, and that is what I found. Like, like she reached like a breaking point, which I found is not really exploring a lot of games. Uh, like the protagonist, like finally like breaking, like her will actually breaking, even though like she actually came back after a while. Um. The fact that she essentially gave up for a while was shocking in a way because it really doesn't happen often. It it usually happens like in bad endings or like tragic endings or like not the best ending, like in the good ending or whatever. So uh, that was a very interesting uh, sight to see. Like, and then like you go back to Edo and everything is hopeless because. Everything is essentially destroyed by the monsters. And I mean, at the end, I got the good ending, like things ended well. Uh, but they really managed to uh, really drive the point home of how horrible things were able to get um, because uh, of story reasons. And Finally, I got to the last route. As I said, not the poster play. Shocking. It's not even a secret <laughs> character. Which even... Uh, I mean, I wasn't mad that it wasn't the poster play, but it wasn't a, a secret character. A character. But I was shocked by the character it was, though everything fell into place like during the route. Mm -hmm. Because there were like some foreshadowing uh, in the previous routes. Um that hey this character isn't really who he seems to be <laughs> um 
also turned out to be my least favorite character, that fucking psychopath, but... Uh, and also, like, it's not that I dislike the route because there are, like, very interesting points. Mm-hmm. It's that the resolution felt a little bit odd. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you uh, finally see, like, the whole truth. Truth, Like, you, in another route, there's, like, a snippet of, uh, of like, of the picture that... Um, it's like the whole truth, like why the Hakusiki clan vanished. Mm-hmm. Now you get to see the whole story. Cool. And uh, I think it was really well written until the end, without it was kind of odd, but... Until the end. <laughs> uh, that aside, I... St- yeah. <laughs> that aside, um, that giant... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? jerk of a character <laughs> um aside i still enjoyed the route very much and um i still overall really really enjoyed the story like i think there were like a lot of low points in my opinion some people might disagree with my opinion <laughs> but i still really enjoyed the game it's not one of my favorites but it has one uh like some really uh funny moments it has some really comforting moments it has some questionable moments <laughs> uh but overall uh it was uh, a very good uh, game which i would recommend especially for those who uh, like visual novels who like like more historical settings mm-hmm. but want some fantasy or like mm, for those who like that particular um a historical period of Japan, but they don't want more Jinsengumi of their life on their lives. Like I, I understand that we had so many <laughs> atomic games without the with the Jinsengumi. So uh, this one was really a breath of uh, fresh air in that regard. Nice. Um. So that's Winter Wish. Uh, the other game that I finished, which is a lot shorter, uh, is Gold Fix. Mm-hmm. And continuing with the trend of I was enjoying it until the very end. <laughs> uh, I actually like uh, all three games of this company, but in this particular case, the, the, I think Gothic is the first one they've they they made. Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and it kind of shows, like, in the sense of how the puzzles are uh, designed. Like, they really have like a very strong core at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I feel they added like one too many gimmicks to their puzzles. Yeah. Like conveyor belts. <laughs> uh, I wasn't that uh, very fond of that one, especially because the screen was kind of a mess at some point. Uh, but overall, I still enjoyed it uh, a lot. Yeah, Had cool. to use a guide for the conveyor belt hill, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's. Everything we've beaten. Why don't you talk about those retirements? Which I'm very sad about the second one. I've retired a couple of games recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is definitely the first time I'm talking about it because my microphone did not stuff up. But anyway, um, <laughs> the first one is Project Cars 3. Uh, I, I always have, I tend to always have like some racing games on the go because I like to dip in and have a race every now and then. Uh, and Project Cars 3 has been one of them lately. 
And but I got to a point in the game where it's very grindy, essentially. And again, I kind of lose interest in racing games when you're forced to repeat yourself a lot just to progress onto the new, next new thing, or to get a new car, or to get a new race, or something like that. I prefer racing games where you can just you can just play it on an advance, no matter how much you've repeated yourself. Uh, because I'm very casual when it comes to racing games. There's nothing wrong with Project Cars 3. It's just that's something that they do in racing games that I'm not really fond of. So that's kind of, if they start doing that and I end up having to repeat myself a lot, that's pretty much when I'm going to say no thanks and stop playing. Uh, so that's what I did with this one. And the other one I retired was Lapin or Lapin or however you're going to say it. But I spoke about it a few episodes ago, which is a very cute bunny platformer. Um, yeah, it's a platformer. I lost interest. <laughs> the story <laughs> the story and the theme and everything was okay, but yeah. Uh it's a it's too much 2D platformer for my liking and not a lot else. So I imagine if you're into platformers, it would be a good one, but just not for me. Not not for me at all. Uh so I retired platforms that. in my platform. <laughs> Uh, and you know, I, th- I thought I'd give it a go because it looked cute and cool. But um, yeah, probably more often than not, if I try a platformer, I'll retire it m- more often than I'll finish it. So unfortunately, this one ended up being one that I retired. Uh, but yeah, that's it for my retirements. Um, I'll go through quickly what I've been playing as well uh, before handing it back to Paula as well. But uh, because you know. I feel like I'm going to talk a lot during our demo discussion, so <laughs> I'll just quickly quickly run through these. <laughs> I have the feeling too. <laughs> uh, after retiring Project Cars 3, I picked up, I started playing Need for Speed The Run, which again is another racing game, but the conceit with this one, the, the, the premise is that you're basically running away from some crime or something that you've done, because as you do in a Need for Speed game, but you're traveling from the the west coast of america across america to the east coast in like a big race of hundreds of races kind of thing so all the events are kind of like uh real road events that take you across america um it's not as fancy as that but that's kind of what they're going for um and it it's fun but it's like need for speed games are fun but they're so arcadey and ridiculous in kind of there's, there's nothing realistic about them at all, basically, um, <laughs> which is fine, and they're fun. But like this one in particular as well, like there's a lot of emphasis emphasis put on the fact that you've got to uh, you're racing against hundreds of other races across America, so you're like you know person who's always in your ear telling you what to do and supporting you is going oh so by the time you get to Vegas you've got to you've got to be in position 150 or better kind of thing. And you're like, okay, cool. So I've got to like win some races and obviously rank up before I get to Vegas. But it's very basically if you win every race, you'll end up being literally rank 150 because they only give you the opportunity to get up to 150. You can't get any more than that if you try. So it's a bit weird in that sense because <laughs> they're like, make sure you take overtake these cars and like get ahead. But Basically, if you just win the races, you do that by default. So it's not as intense as they try and make it out to be, basically. Um, 
But anyway, that's Need for Speed the Run. I don't expect it to be amazing. I'm just it's a fun little racing game that I'm playing here and there. Uh, another one I've been playing is From Space, which is came out on just recently on Game Pass. It's kind of a I'm probably going to retire it because <laughs> it's a twin stick shooter. Is it a platformer? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, it's a no. twin stick shooter, and I love twin stick shooters, which is why I picked it up. But it's a uh, built for co-op twin stick shooter. Oh. So technically, you're meant to play it with three other people and have four people cruising around, much like games like um, the Alien Breed games or stuff like that, where it's basically online co-op shooters. So or there was another game which was very or Hell Divers, I think it was called, where it's kind of like a top-down slash semi-isometric kind of view, and you basically have like hordes of enemies on a map, and you you go into the map, you take them all out, you you rescue people, you collect things, all that kind of stuff. It's a bit of fun. Uh, this one's very cartoony and kind of a bit silly, uh, which is fun, but you can tell it's kind of like it's meant to be for co-op. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a grind when you're playing on your own. So <laughs> I kind of feel like. It's nice to play to to test out because it's on Game Pass. As you do, you try everything on there if you've got it. Um, but I don't think I'll be finishing it. The other one though, which I'm definitely going to finish, is one where I played the demo as part of Next Fest, and then it came out like a couple of days later. So I bought it, and it's a game called Poems and Codes. This one I feel like is a very much is not going to be everyone's cup of tea uh, because it's, the the whole game is it's a it's a puzzle game where you basically have to solve ciphers where you have, you know, those, those puzzles where you basically have to substitute a letter for another letter. So you'll have like a bunch of text, but it's all uh, random letters. And so you might have like a U and a G and a D and an L and something, but the U actually stands for a T and the G actually stands for an H. So you've got to figure out what the, Okay. substitution is to then reveal the actual message and it, that's all it is that's the whole game <laughs> except the text that you're deciphering are classic poems from famous poets like Edgar Allan Poe or Emily Dickinson or Thomas Hardy or you know a whole range of classic uh, western uh, poets essentially um, which I am of I am interested in in the first place because I do like a lot of that stuff and having studied literature and things i you know it's an interest of mine um <laughs> i can definitely see how i have to say like <laughs> uh with the decoding part uh you kind of like un- unlock some uh war flashbacks from my <laughs> uh, computer theory classes <laughs> because of the matching and everything that has to do with it yeah well if you want to relate that to some nice old classic poetry this is the game for you <laughs> Um, so yeah, you essentially work your way through basically deciphering classic poems. So it's kind of fun because it's, you know, using old school language as well. Like there's Shakespeare sonnets in there and stuff, um, which obviously uses Shakespearean kind of words and spellings and things. Um, so it's not as easy as just, it might have been the, the real reason I wanted to mention it, though, is because as niche as that is and as much as it's probably not to most people's interest, I would imagine, um, I really liked it because I played the demo and in the demo you were given, say, uh, all, all the poems are broken down into themes. So there's poems about love and there's poems about death and there's poems about that are inspirational and poems about war or, you know, there's a whole bunch of different themes that 
have these poems in it. And in the demo, there was basically one poem for about three or four different themes. And so that was about three puzzles per poem. Uh, and it ended up being, you know, maybe 15, 16 poems or something all up or puzzles rather all up in the demo. And it was one of those demos where I was thinking, I hope there's much more content <laughs> than, you know, it could go either way kind of thing because it's the full game might've only had say double that. And you could have been done in like three or four hours or happily it could have what it actually has where I haven't, I think I'm just over halfway through and I've probably spent about 14 hours in the game. And that, so instead of having say two or three poems per theme, there's actually like 30 poems per theme. Uh, so there's loads and loads of puzzles to solve. And as much as it kind of repeats itself as in um, you're doing the same thing for each one, <laughs> if you like doing that, there's loads of stuff to do that with, loads of puzzles to complete, <laughs> which I'm happy about because it's such a simple concept and everything that it's easy to replicate as well um, that I was hoping that there'd be a lot of content to get through uh, in the full game. So I'm glad that there is. Uh, and other than that, I've been playing another game called Tori Dory, which is by the same uh, developer as the Find All games that I mentioned in my completion that I've done. Um, they were the hidden object games, but they also made this game called Tori Dory, which is a spot the difference game. And you basically get two, uh, well, a diorama, like a 3D rendered diorama of a scene and it's split into two on the screen. And you basically are looking for differences in the scene and then clicking on them when you find them. That's the game. <laughs> it's just a simple spot the difference game. It's cool because it's using, you know, computers. It's doing it in a way that you can do in a book or something because you can like spin the whole scene and zoom in on parts and look under things and over things and different bits move as you get closer to them and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah pretty simple as well again it's part of that whole package of the other hidden object games and this game so for you know i think i think i said it was like eight dollars or something when i bought it it's a pretty good deal there's definitely like a good amount of uh, stuff to solve if you if you like that kind of thing totally can see why it's boring to some people but <laughs> i like puzzles like that so <laughs> you know uh but yeah that's all i've been really focusing on mostly recently uh, and I'll throw it back to you, Paula. Okay, so um, um, so I've been playing. Oh, this is actually a replay of Piafere Faded Memories. Mm -hmm. So I think it was this year, last year, that the sequel for this game came out, and I was like, okay, I want to play it. And then I remembered, hey, I kind of like my memories of this game is are kind of blurry, especially because it has six routes and all of. Sorry, it has seven endings, and all of them have like a direct sequel in the sequel game. So it's like, <laughs> mm, maybe I should replay this, especially because since it is a mafia game, like, uh, I mean, it's an atomic game, but it's about the mafia, and well, people die in the mafia all the time. Nice. So uh, at some point, I was like, was this dude alive or dead at the end of these other characters? So, <laughs> so instead of looking it up on Wikipedia or like on uh Redmaster Lee's uh page or anything like that I decided to replay the game because why not? It's not like we have eternal backlogs anyway. Hey. Uh <laughs> but also 
uh, I restarted like this game like a couple of months ago. I think I dropped it when uh, Ryan Tail released, and then uh, I favored Lover Pretend, and then Winter Switch. And I was like, okay, time to go back to this game. <laughs> uh, so I'm finally back into it. So uh, in this setting, uh, like everything happens in the city of Furlona. And Verlona is, um, I guess, an Italian city, uh, or like a fictional Italian city, mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of like the factor of Europe in a way, because there's a lot of shady stuff going on there. Um, so in this, uh, in this city, there are kind of like four districts. Uh, one being Falta. The other one being, um, I forgot the name of it, uh, Greta. <laughs> Greta. Um, I'm forgetting Veleno. Veleno, yeah, Veleno. Uh, but also there's Arca, which is kind of like neutral ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it is home to buildings such as the church. Uh, many, many uh, places where you can buy food and stuff. And there's also a casino, which is... Funny enough, uh, a neutral ground for everyone. <laughs> and um, the other, like the whole uh, city is kind of like run by mafia. And also it is like a city that, that it is kind of like Rome because it's not Italy. It, ha- it is uh, under the church jurisdiction. Okay, yeah. If that's a word for it. Like the, um, like the Vatican. Yeah, like the Vatican. Yeah. Exactly like the Vatican. <laughs> um, so um, it is kind of interesting because it kind of like the church owns the place, but the mafia are running around like they own the place. <laughs> um, like each of the three mafia families kind of like rule over one of the districts, except for Arca because it is uh, grounds for no one. But... Um, there's the Falsone family, which is like a very, very old, um, kind of like very traditional mafia where like the divorce title um, is like passed down by blood. Just mm-hmm. Like um, you have the Visconti, which is one of the newer mafias, uh, which uh, rule over Creta and... Uh, some of them used to be like from the Visconti, sorry, from from the Falzona, uh, but they split up and formed the Visconti instead. And they are pretty much accepting of anyone who has a talent for it and that wants to join. And then you have the Laosu. The Laosu are Chinese mafia, and they rule over Veleno. And you could say that they're like the most mafia-like mafia in this game. <laughs> uh, like they they are really up to no good <laughs> at all. Uh, so first of all, this game is not for the weak of heart, uh, oh. mainly because it's, it's a game about mafia people and there's oceans and depictions of torture, blood, gore. Um, there's also human trafficking, uh, mm. drug dealing, assassination attempts, nice. all that good stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, but it is interestingly uh, one of the more action-packed otome games out there. Um, there's a very there there's something interesting because there's like an overarching story, but there's like a second overarching story that is sold like the primary overarching story, but then you realize that it's just a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> so uh, let me talk about a little bit about the main character, which is Liliana Adornato. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been uh, raised at the church. So she lives in this kind of like neutral ground over here. And day in, day out, she pretty much like helps around in the, in the church and uh, takes, care, takes care of other orphan kids. And she lives a very pious life too. So she's like uh, the very good Christian girl who sees, who hasn't seen like uh, bad things in the world happening yet. Uh, that lasts for a couple of days, which is like the amount of time it has, the prologue has, and then her life is turned upside down by whatever mafia cuts her first. (laughs) So, uh, as I said, I already went through three routes. Uh, two of them are from the Valzona, and the third one is from the Laoshit. Um, on the first route, the, there is kind of like the um, self-recommended route over there. Uh, I went through Nicola's route, which is like the um, second in lead from the Falsona. And then you start seeing uh, like uh, a little fresh of what uh, you're really getting into. And nothing <laughs> too bad, nothing to worry. Then you go to Jang's route. Jang uh, is the leader of the Lao and not only he's like extremely, um, he's like extremely intelligent. Like out of the uh, three bosses, I think he has the most knowledge, or like manages the most information out of the three. So he's always like one step ahead in some way, which is uh, which made his route like very interesting in a way, even though. The character is a walking trash can. <laughs> um, his route, especially, like really, uh, gives you a wake up slap on. Hey, you're playing a game with the <laughs> mafia. You're not gonna have a good time at all. Yep. <laughs> uh, so in that regard, like you really dig into like the more darker places of Rulone. And really see like what is really going on down there. Cool. And that is very interesting because it isn't the worst that is going down here. <laughs> uh, more on that later. Um, oh, and also this game is uh, when it came out, it was kind of difficult to actually get to the best endings of which character because you don't. Uh, not only you have to raise the affection stat mm-hmm. of each character. But each character has a, I guess, a thing they value. So for um, for Nicola, it is uh, honesty, I think. So he values you, uh, like the the main character, being honest with him. Um, for Yang, it is um, wisdom. So 
the he in particular really emphasized from the get-go that the moment you start thinking for yourself and stop trying to survive, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> so the more you fight, the more interesting of a Choi, I think. He thinks with your eyes. Uh, as for Dante, which is the third round that I played, uh, he values respect. Which is kind of funny now that I think about it, because Liliana was kind of like a firecracker in his route. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she was a little bit of a troublemaker at the start, especially. But uh, at the end, I guess, uh, with my choices, I uh, uh, Liliana became a very respectful uh, person. I don't know. Um, I'm just uh, rambling at this point. Uh, but... <laughs> As I said, this is one of those cases where the poster boy isn't the canon route. Oh, okay. Or like the final route of the game. So in this case, the poster boy was Dante, uh, which, uh, as I stated earlier, is he's the head of the Falsona family. Mm-hmm. And also, there's like some really religious conspiracy stuff going on in this game. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, that has to do with the fact, like, and um, that religious conspiracy is the whole reason why Liliana is uh, tangled in this whole mess, because she's kind of like a piece of the puzzle, right. um, which is kind of like one of the reasons why she has been, um, uh, like, she, he, she has been living at church, like, the, from the very start, like, she always thought she was an orphan. But actually, she has a role to play. That's and they kind of like um, very, very quietly like tell her, told her parents to hand her over to the church, and now she lives there. But because she's in Bologna, and because uh, the mafia kind of like well, the Falsone knew about that because they're kind of like the the ones with the religious background. So and they are like in line with the church. Or like in cahoots with the church in, in some way. Uh, the other two uh, families kind of like catch wind of something interesting going on. Uh, so everyone wants Liliana for themselves. Uh, the Falsone because it is their mission to uh, take care of this relic that is on Berlona. And the other two families because they see her as a bargaining chip uh, to kind of like twist the Falsone's arm. And they up and then end up really in Bologna. But political <laughs> and religious struggles aside, there's also like a bigger uh, thing going on, uh, which will be unraveled in a couple more routes. Uh, <laughs> because this doesn't end, ladies and gentlemen. And the others, this doesn't end uh, right here. Uh, so, so far, I've been enjoying my replay more than I thought I would. I learned to appreciate uh, Yang, the trash character, <laughs> mainly <laughs> because I played much worse routes than his, so I've, um, I might have a second syndrome at this point, but anyway, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I highly recommend this one, though it has, I'm gonna say it has uh, uh, a balance between story and romance. I will say that the routes are a lot shorter. Like, the common route is very, very short. Like, and now we're top. No more than that. Yeah, right. And then you have, like, an additional, an additional five to six hours to clear character's route. Um, of course, you can get all the endings. Um, 
if you want. And there's <laughs> there's actually a lot of content because there's the uh, best ending, good ending, tragic ending, and all the uh, game over slash bad endings in each character route. And there's uh, well five character routes and one that is kind of like the canon route, but also it has like a friendship to another character route, which I'm not gonna get into uh, just yet. <laughs> but there's also um, the um, each character has a short story that you can go through after clearing their best ending. Cool. And also you have uh, like um, a prologue to the sequel of the game that follows up like the best ending of each character mm -hmm. and on top of that you have like a a, a post story for the tragic endings you don't have post stories for the good ones though interesting <laughs> uh, but yeah there's a lot of content uh, and there's a full sequel not a fan disc a full sequel for the game so for nice. any uh, visual slash otome fan that really likes a more action packed uh, game I think this is for you. Mm, um, sounds interesting. Yeah, it's... I always think that I'm, I'm a woman trying to explain uh, Otome games to people. Like, I always think that I sound kind of crazy when I'm talking about them uh, <laughs> out loud. Uh, sorry, you have to, <laughs> to put up with my ramblings here. But yeah. Makes sense uh, to me. <laughs> so yeah uh that is everything that i've been playing cool i should have kept a charter because we are now under um on our discussion topic the steam next festivals strap yourself in people <laughs> <laughs> uh you go first though paula because uh yeah like i say i'll speed run mine after you've talked about yours <laughs> okay so this madman right here, yeah. this mad lad, uh, finished how many? 60, 70 demos? 76 oh, in total. Oh, sorry. I, I, I was still not close enough to that. In the meantime, <laughs> I have my modest five demos over here. So I'm going I'm to go hey, through them like really quickly. <laughs> I, I said at the top, I had COVID the last couple of weeks. So I was feeling lousy and not doing anything else. So I just loaded <laughs> up a pile of demos and went through them and found some really good stuff actually as well. But anyway, you, you go. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I play Storybook of Tactics, which is kind of like an auto chess like you. Um, okay. In the, in the sense of you are able to round after round, like pick uh, units from a store. There, you can uh, use money to re-roll that store, or you can also uh, use money to level up, which means that you are able to put more units on the field to battle the mm -hmm. other units. Uh, at first, I thought it was kind of interesting uh, because it was like a fantasy auto chess. The more I played, the more um, the other I became. Uh, first oh, of all, BUI no. fuckings. Like, Ugh. mainly how tiny, tiny the text is. Like, mm. I mean, I use glasses. Uh, my computer doesn't have that big of screen. But holy moly, <laughs> you shouldn't need to use a magnifying glass to see what the UI says. 
but it's just bad design. And this is gonna yeah. be a running uh, joke during this uh, during this lightning round because for some godforsaken reason, <laughs> developers don't understand that if you're gonna put instructions or like information on the screen, it has to be readable. Mm -hmm. So this is not the worst offender of the of this. Like I have one that is worse. <laughs> so yeah, like the the UI could use more uh, more work. Like some of the text is like in red over brown, and you don't see shit. And so if it was like yellow or white over brown, then you could make out what the uh, unit class is. But we're mm -hmm. not given that. Instead, mm. we have invisible text. Uh, sorry, like, I'm, I'm starting to work on UI, so seeing this shit, like, really turns me up the wall. Uh, oh, I, I have stuff to add about in that, on that same theme, after, you know, when we get to it. So I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, okay, so the other thing is that progression is meh in the sense of... The difficulty curve is kind of weird, even if, or maybe not not existent. Right. Uh, so <laughs> at the very start, like I was rugged, and then a random level, like just sandwich hill. But then the actual, like for some odd reason, I got more money losing a level than winning at a level. <laughs> the rewards are are junk. Like something is wrong here. <laughs> and and the other thing is that there isn't really I don't really feel that I'm making any progress. Like I know you, the demo had the endless mode, so you pretty much go on until you die. But also like each enemy does so little damage to you if they go through your defenses. That even if you're really doing everything wrong you're gonna have like at least at least 30 rounds so interesting after a while <laughs> i decided to not, sub not subject myself to this madness and move on to the next game and that while was like 10 minutes or 15 minutes yep cool <laughs> the real offender of the ui is sky settlers right like it didn't have the i guess the color selection problem that the prior game had but and you couldn't even read it with a magnifying glass you had to imagine the text like <laughs> and, and i went through the settings of these games just in case the developers included like anything to increase the size the font size of the ui but no no at all not at all <laughs> Uh, also, this game is kind of like a, I'm going to say a city builder, but kind of a roguelike city builder. I don't know. One of those games where you get like an arrangement of cards and you have to like place the tiles uh, in a certain mm. order to score the maximum amount of coins. And once you score a certain amount of points, uh, you are able to proceed to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um... I have an example of a game that does this on a chef kiss level that is Islanders. And this game yes, is yep. not Islanders. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like the 
points matter so little that putting minimum effort, I was able to go through the game. Like, also, uh, you are able to pick up cards that are like kind of missions, I think. Right. Um, it puts down like a template that you have to fill on the map, like putting like um i don't know forests or like natural environments in this spot and then putting like villagers in this other spot and if you complete the template then you get more points i don't know what's happened but the first time i actually completed a mission it says i failed the mission even though i did exactly <laughs> what it told me to and then i got the same mission and did exactly the thing the same thing and i completed the mission i don't know what's going on here so yeah, um, <laughs> this guy Settlers was kind of disappointing, mainly because I already play like games that do like a lot better. So I, it was kind of like underwhelming. The I was gonna say it, it can only go up from here, but it would be a lie because of the last game. But for a while, <laughs> it it only went up. So Vegan Patrol is a game where you. Um, again, play styles, but you have like a deck of 50 cards and you're on this little ship and you have to put cards uh, around, uh, like you have to place cards and they make like a cross and then you get awarded okay. points depending on the elements that are on each card that's around the cross. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you're able to move between the, the tiles and explore and you have to make sure that if you have like water on on, on the top for example of the tile you're in the the tile that you place like on the top of that has to have water in the bottom so you can have like uh, a weird piece of land uh, just by the water no you have to have a proper island there so yeah cool uh, this one was actually a ton of fun I tried to uh, scored like the highest like three times. The third time didn't go as as well as I would have liked because I kept only getting one type of card, which was not a yell. <laughs> but at this point, the UI was like a fucking godsend after the uh, prior two. Um, <laughs> actually, my my note says best UI so far. Not that the bar was high in the first place. Yep. Um, so once I got the hang of it, it was actually, like, really fun. And, like, it seems like you, each time you play, since you shuffle the deck, you're always getting, like, a different uh, pattern on your exploration, so that was kind of fun, too. Cool. Um, the only thing that I would nitpick is how they presented the the instructions. Uh, like, they put, like, mm-hmm. all the instructions on one screen, and I think they could have broken it down for you to not get overwhelmed trying to read everything. But other than that, it was a fine game. And then my favorite cool. game was Cobalt Core. So it is a <laughs> roguelike deck builder. And finally, a font I can read without a magnifying glass. It was, it has a decent <laughs> fucking font. So uh, it is kind of, like... It's interesting because the setting is that you are like on a spaceship, like going through space or looping around someplace, I don't know. And you are able to choose the big stages, like uh, between like exploration monsters and recurring like health and stuff like that. So 
there, when you have to fight, and you will have to fight, um, you have to, like, in a turn-based manner, uh, you draw five cards each turn, and you have three energy to use each turn, and each card has, like, an energy cost. So uh, the cards that you get, like, from on the deck, depends on which characters you have equipped at that, at that point in time. So some characters may give you more cards or abilities that are related to attack, some towards defense, and some towards movement, and stuff like that. Um, so you have to use the cards to, first of all, damage the enemy's ship. Second of all, evade or defend yourself from the enemy attacks. And the more you progress mm -hmm. through the stages, the more complex it, be it becomes. Because at the start, the enemy ships will just fire and, and defend. And then they will do evasion tricks. And then they will have uh, shields and stuff like that. And then things will get crazy, and they will prevail like an item to the middle of the screen, which can be a thing that gives them like more, uh, like uh, a variety of shield, uh, mm -hmm. guns that can attack you during the enemy turn, and other fun stuff that overall will intercept your attacks. So you may want to either get away from those or. Uh, destroy them be before they start making like some real damage. The game was a lot of fun. Like I really enjoyed it. It has to be like my favorite game from the Sim, uh, from the Sim Fest. Cool. And finally, and this was such a disappointment. Is uh, <laughs> Royal Order, which by the way is in is an Amade game. Amade is like a new uh, term. Uh, we're using in the visual novel community where uh, you know how Otome is like you have a female main character and you have male love interest and you have Galge that mm -hmm. have a male main character and you have a female uh, love interest and then you have like a boy love and girl love and Mari is like everything mm -hmm. goes like usually you have like a cool. uh, in this case, on Royal Order, you're able to get very, like, customize your character in the sense of you're able to choose their pronouns, you're able to choose their appearance uh, between two portraits, and then you're able to pick mm -hmm. their name. Um, cool. So, and there's also, for some reason, like, three difficulties. I'm not sure what those were about. It seems like <laughs> uh, you rise or lower like some of your stats depending on the choices you pick and i think the difficulties have to do like with you rolling for success or try when trying to pick some 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 options like yeah that's uh, everything i can anything that's all i can think of um so i had some problems with this one like I like the developers of this one, so it's, I was kind of like bummed out that I didn't like it as much. So, first of all, um, the beginning is kind of confusing. Like, you mm -hmm. are not quite sure what is going on. Um, also, the text is kind of small, and they really information dumped you uh, very early in the story. Which <laughs> I should be used by now, but here they overdid it. 
um, also the dialogue is not quite clear in the sense of you are you don't know if there's a character talking or if it's the inner monologue monologue of the protagonist, and the way they place the name tag on the on the text box it's kind of like you're not sure who's talking at some points like uh, the that seems bad like the the (laughs) the the name tag is not quite visible so it is sometimes it is very difficult to to really get who's talking and since well i'm used to games with voice acting or silly charter games like Cat of a Boyfriend, where they have like a giant box with the name of the character, and yeah, they usually don't have like many characters on screen at once. Uh, so in real order, they do try to have like the um, the side characters that don't have like much of an important role in the story. Like they have like a quote unquote portrait that is more like the shadow shape as. Uh, the character or like a character template which uh mm-hmm. i think is a good thing if they actually exploited it a, a little bit more uh because as i said since you can have multiple characters here at once there was a point where i had like two characters and i forgot the name of each so i didn't know which shadow <laughs> was talking to me at some point cool uh, and also the <laughs> So yeah, like, I don't know, there was like some conflict between three kingdoms, and it seems like the the main character, or like the parents of the main character were part of the royal order, and then the main character had to flee on a ship, and then it lost me, like, I don't know, there's something about the, the way the dialogue flows, or the way the story was written that wasn't like very, um, catching. So yeah, I'm sad right. that it ended up uh, with a bummer, but that those are my <laughs> Steam Next Fest findings. Uh, how about you? You have a lot to go through. Well, to first of all continue on from what you were saying about um, bad UI design and that sort of thing, I I took a whole heap of notes because I knew I was playing a lot of stuff, so I've got notes on everything I played. But I put at the top of my notes that Overall, the whole Steam Next Fest thing, after playing 76 demos over a few <laughs> days, I was really disappointed. Not not because they were games that I was into or not into, but just the quality and what people have put out as demos, which, I mean, I feel like it's a double-edged sword because I feel like Steam putting on this Next Fest thing where... Uh, it encourages every game to basically put out a demo because people are going to be looking for demos to try and all that kind of thing. So I feel like because of that, a lot of games are putting out demos when they probably shouldn't because they don't have a demo to put out or they their game isn't complete enough to uh, make a demo. <laughs> um, yeah. Because to me, a demo is something very different to, say, early access, where... If you pick up an early access game and it's janky and doesn't work, you're kind of like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> like, that's kind of what you're buying into. Whereas to me, a demo is like a, it's a, it's an ad for your game. It's like the next step up from a trailer, basically, where you want someone to play it and get hooked and want to play more. So 
you know, they finish your demo and then they go, cool, I want more of this. I'm going to go buy the game. Whereas this time there were lots of games that I'm not going to talk about because they were shit. (laughs) (laughs) It took me like five minutes before I just quit out of the demo because the game just didn't work. Or like you say, had really bad design or like placeholder text or weird graphic assets that obviously were going to be changed later, but aren't ready for the public kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So unfortunately, I I tried 76 demos and I'm only going to talk about the ones that I ended up putting on my wish list. But of that 76, I only put 30 on my wish list. It's still a lot. Don't get me wrong. But that means that the vast majority, the majority of them, like the other 46 were either not to my taste or crap. And I think probably a good half of them were just crap. Like my notes basically say should not have released this demo next to those games. (laughs) As opposed to there were games that I played that I just uh, weren't for me. Like one I will mention is a game called Gangs of Sherwood, which was really cool, but it's a four player co-op game. So I didn't end up putting it on my wish list because I figured I'm never going to get around to playing it. Um, But basically it's a, it's like Left 4 Dead or Vermintide or those sorts of games, like uh, first person or th- this third person actually. But you play as you know Robin Hood and his mates, and it's all that kind of themed stuff, and it's kind of cool. It's very cool. It's worth checking out if you're into those kind of uh, four player action adventure things. But um, that was a good one and a good demo, and it really showed you what the game was about and what you can expect. Whereas to use another game which was the second demo i tried uh which was a game called sledders which basically advertised itself as you're on like snowmobiles cruising up snowy mountains and that's the game basically that's the idea um i could not get this game to work uh (laughs) it's got this really cool idea of like uh terrain deformation kind of physics so you're in deep snow and as you move through it you're like carve out paths and that kind of thing but you load up you start a new game you're sitting on a snowmobile and you press like w to throttle up and your snowmobile flips and then you're like oh now i can't move so i have to reset the game and then you you throttle up just a little bit and it doesn't move so you go a little bit more and your your snowmobile flips and you're on your back again (laughs) and i did that a few times and then i was like yep see ya i'm (laughs) out of here (laughs) Nice idea. Not going to be paying money for this game because this is bullshit. Yeah, I get you. (laughs) And I feel like there are a number of demos like that where it was just undercooked. And I feel like that game could be good in the future, but it's obviously not in a state where anyone should be jumping in and playing it uh, to determine whether it's worth buying or not, basically. Um, So unfortunately, that was kind of my overall take on the whole Steam Next Fest thing. As in, I love demos anyway. I think every game should have a demo because you you talk about getting customer satisfaction. Like if you can play a demo, there are so many games where I've played the demo and not bought the game, but that actually makes me happy because I didn't buy a game that I ended up not liking. So it's not really a lost sale in that sense because I probably would have refunded it anyway. But then there are heaps of other games where I've tried the demo and gone, oh, I'm definitely playing that. I'm surprised I didn't know anything about this. Rah, rah, rah. So I think demos are hugely important, but I've never played so many uh, just janky, undercooked, shouldn't be released demos. <laughs> so anyway, that aside, I'm going to quickly run through 
the ones that I played that ended up on my wish list, which is a few, but some of them I talk about more than others. Some of them are pretty straightforward. So anyway, fortunately, the first demo I played was probably the best game that I played, which was a game called Ete or Eat. I don't know how to say it. It's E-T-E and both of the I E's have got... Ete. Yeah, they both got acute accents on them and it's Canadian French. So it's, yeah... I would say Ete. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the basics of the game is it's first person game, but you at the very beginning of the game you show up in a new apartment and you're welcomed by the landlord who is basically welcoming you as a painter. You've just moved to Montreal and you've moved into this apartment and you've got no money or anything or possessions or anything like that. All you've got is like your easel which you can set up and you can start painting. But outside of your apartment so there's like a little front garden out the back there's like an alleyway that goes between lots of different houses and that you can catch a bus to go to the market you can do lots of things like that uh at first it's all just black and white line drawings but as you basically observe your environment and find things and click on them and stuff it colors them in with this kind of water paint uh, watercolor painty kind of effect and that then becomes inspiration that you can use to paint paintings. So then when you go back to your uh, little apartment and you decide to paint a painting, you you don't actually paint things, but you pull up a menu of essentially assets that you can use in your paintings. And those assets are all things that you've discovered around you and been inspired by. So, you know, you might see like a, a kid playing a ball in the back alley and you kind of observe them for a little bit and you, you, color them in and stuff and you might see like a, a flower bed with lots of different flowers or like a bird in the sky or a whole bunch of stuff like that and it gets more and more complex and ends up becoming more like a a hybrid kind of puzzle game and hidden object game because part of the game is walking around finding things and discovering things uh, and it you actually do have to kind of figure out how to get to stuff and how to you know, get into different gardens, perhaps of your neighbors and, or talk to people and do things for them. Like they might ask you for like specific paintings that they want done. So you need to kind of find items and things to then inspire you to do that painting. Like, for example, you come across a mother who's trying to feed her kids, but they're not interested in the cereal that she's got them. So she's like, Hey, can you paint me an exciting cereal box? <laughs> Which is just a random thing that you can do. And then, so you head back, you you kind of look around, you find different things and you, you find lots of exciting things to then put on the cereal box and you, you paint it and you, you take it to her and she'll pay you for it. And then she's happy because now her kid's are like, oh, that's really cool. I want to eat that. And <laughs> so, yeah, this was, I'm talking about this one probably more than any other game I'm going to talk about because it was probably my favorite one that I played because it's just, the soundtrack's really great. The whole coloring in the world around you with like watercolor paints and stuff is really satisfying uh because it really kind of you know funnily enough it illustrates what you've looked at and what you've seen and where you've been and it's a really good um uh chill kind of game the only thing i'm worried about it is that the demo was quite extensive uh as far as where you could go and everything and there were no hints at other areas that you could go so i'm very much hoping that when it f comes out the full game there is a lot more content than what's in the demo even though there's a lot in the demo but I'd be a little underwhelmed if it wasn't much more than what's in the demo kind of thing. Uh, and it potentially could be because I've definitely had that experience with other games. But um, 
hopefully it'll be good, but that's not coming out till next year anyway. So <laughs> yeah, but that was probably the best one that I played, uh, or at least for me. And it's very much an arty farty, you know, I'm an artist. So of course I like it because it's about being an artist. So duh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those games appeal to me regardless most of the time. But anyway, uh, the next one was completely different. It was called Rama World of Shipping. Think Euro Truck Simulator, but shipping. <laughs> it's a very simple one to talk about. You basically start and manage a shipping company and you buy ships and customize ships and transport goods around the world and make lots of money. It's very well put together. I kind of thought I wouldn't like it because it looked a bit funny on the Steam page, but it was very well put together, very detailed. Um, it looked like a good simulator game. So that was a tick. Uh, the next one was Robocop Rogue City, which is coming out on 3rd of November, and I'm very excited about it now because I kind of expected it to be bad just because it's a movie tie-in, <laughs> but it's so good because my first note I put on it was Easy Sell, it stays faithful to the movie. <laughs> so the sound effects, the story, the characters even are all uh, very straight from the first movie. Um, so you obviously play as Murphy, who is Robocop. But if you know the movies, uh, Murphy's partner was a woman called Lewis. She is also in the game. She is your partner. Um, there's the classic Robocop gun where it's kind of like a semi-automatic pistol, uh, which is a lot of fun to use. Um you really feel the the demo is basically you go into a gang hideout and take out a whole lot of gang members and, you know, crush their operation kind of thing. And it's a very first-person shooter. Um, but you really feel like you're somewhat Robocopy invincible because you kind of just walk your way through slowly and it's not about being quick and taking cover and stuff. It's more shooting dudes in the head as you walk through the place. <laughs> so you feel a bit like a Terminator or a Robocop, essentially, which was really cool. Um, and I'm interested to see what they'll do with the actual rest of the game as far as the bigger story, because they hint at, in the demo, they hint at a few things where you start having like, like in the movie, you start having flashbacks to your human life before you became Robocop. Um, and it looks like it could be interesting on how they could incorporate that into the game. So, Yeah. Uh, another game I liked was one called, literally called Looks Good. Uh, if you've ever played A Little to the Left, it's very similar. Yeah, I played the, the more fun one. Yeah. It's basically sorting things. It's a puzzle game where you sort things into categories or sequences. Like you'll get a bunch of jars and you can like sort them into a color grading sequence or size from biggest to smallest. It's that kind of puzzle game. Obviously not everyone's cup of tea, but I really enjoyed a little to the left and I really enjoyed looks good because it looks like a similar sort of thing. The only thing I didn't like about it was that when you're doing stuff like, you know, you know, those puzzles where you have like a torn up photo and you've got to like put it together. Mm -hmm. um, it looks good. The pieces that you're putting together kind of snap to their correct position, which I don't like because then you can kind of just cheese it by moving around until it snaps. And then you're like, oh, that's the right position. <laughs> without really knowing what you're doing. Um, so that was a bit annoying. But other than that, it you know, looks like fun. If it comes out and it's, and it's like, you know, a cheap game and a short game, I'll be happy. Uh, there was an interesting point and click called Layla, L-E-I-L-A. Uh, seems to be one of those kind of personal developer stories, point and clicks, uh, which I quite like because usually it's 
quite interesting seeing someone's very niche kind of personal perspective on something. Didn't really get much else from it other than just, yep, that looks like fun. Uh, another game is called Repair This. It's kind of like a Papers, Please style of game, except you work in a telef- uh, mobile phone repair shop and you've got people coming in basically asking you to repair their phone. It's very kind of not not bad, but lo-fi, low-budget, I guess, feeling. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But there's challenges, as in people come in and say, oh, my phone's broken, fix it for me. And depending, and each time you repair something, you, you basically determine what's wrong with it. You scan it with this machine that tells you what's wrong with it. Um, and then you order a part to replace whatever part needs replacing. And you can, there are like three amounts you can charge someone and three time frames that you can say you'll have it done within. So you've got to kind of determine when someone comes in, are they going to want it really quickly? And if they do, then you can probably jack up the price. But if you get it wrong, they might say, screw you, I'm out of here, and you don't get the job after all. Um, And then there's a few other things like in Papers, Please, where like someone comes in and offers you money to basically copy data from people's phones and things uh, if you want to, but you don't have to kind of thing. Uh, so you have to make some like choices along the way in that sense. And that seemed like a good kind of fun little game. Uh, for the right price, I think it would be good. It's not super in-depth, but it's the kind of game where I see you could get a few hours fun out of it at least. Um, a, another one I tried, which I'm kind of excited about, it's called The Mildew Children. It's a point-and-click, but it's like a really dark point-and-click. English <laughs> um, <In which> sense. <laughs> it's kind of, It's set in a town where there are only young women and they have to sacrifice each other to essentially do something. I forget what the point was. But um, <laughs> but so it's very, very dark because it, it's basically a, a weird kind of culty feeling game of these young women who basically have to appease, like one of them's a witch who kind of like calls the shots and but then they sacrifice young children to kind of appease something else that they're trying to avoid. It's just, it seems very depressing and fucked up in a way. And I like that kind of thing. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that plot twist. (laughs) So it's very much a mystery and it's focused on exploration and like investigation kind of style. And like, it's in a weird kind of mystical kind of world where reincarnation exists and, uh, you know, witches do magic and through blood sacrifice and stuff, they achieve things. And yeah, it's just kind of weird and wonderful. Uh, one that I didn't think I'd like, but I did end up really enjoying is a game called Japanese drift master. <laughs> drift master. What's that? <laughs> so it's a racing game. It's about drifting. In your car, like going sideways around corners. (laughs) It's very much, there's an anime called Initial D, which is about this kid who is like, who I think he starts off as like a delivery driver for his dad's noodle business or tofu business or whatever it is. And, um, but he drives really fast and just drifts his way there to everyone's, uh, to the deliveries that he's making. Um, and he has a specific little hatchback car that, a lot of people have tried to replicate because it's like famous now from that anime and this game starts you off in that car so mm-hmm. i'm assuming they're kind of 
you know, taking a few cues from from Initial D, um, which is cool. What impressed me about the the game because it's it just basically gave you a little location to drive around in. Um, drifting in racing games is is a it's a discipline of racing that I am not very good at and I don't really enjoy because it's very different to just racing. It's more technical and um, you've got to, you do have to practice it to get good at it. But um, so that's why I thought I wouldn't I wouldn't like this game. But um, after playing it for a bit, I really did like it because essentially it's an open world game and it's in like a regional town in Japan, or at least that's where you start off. So it's not like city kind of streets; it's country streets, and it's really beautiful. Like the graphics are really good. Um, there's lots of tree uh, tree cover on the streets. So there's like lots of like cherry blossoms and stuff and Japanese architecture and everything. And so it's really kind of beautiful to drive around anyway. Um, but then the, the car controls and everything felt really good. And it felt like something that would be a lot of fun to invest in. And there's a little bit more than just racing because it is this open world thing, but you can go do like, again, I think it's borrowing from the anime where you can go do a job where you have to deliver stuff to earn some money. And then you can go do races to kind of get some reputation and, so there's like different things to do as you cruise around this kind of open world game. So Japanese Driftmaster seems like a little bit of fun. <laughs> uh, another one I liked was Little Locked Rooms, which was already on my wish list anyway, but I replayed the demo just because. Uh, it's essentially a mystery game where you have to kind of solve, uh, kind of be a detective and solve puzzles. So you get 3D dioramas again of like a location and in the demo, there's like a cabin uh, and there's like snow all around the cabin and there's a car parked and you have to basically figure out someone got murdered and taken away. And from the scene, you have to kind of look at things and, and find clues and stuff to figure out how they did that. And, you know, so there's different things where if you look at it closely, you can find some foot, footprints in the snow. Uh, you can find the doors locked to the cabin, but maybe there's another way in if you look around, you know, it's that kind of stuff where you've got to piece together little mysteries and find clues and kind of find out what happened in that scene. And then once you do solve it, you kind of see what the solution is and whether you got it right or not, basically. Cool game, looks very good. I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, another one I liked, which, again, I'll be interested to see how it goes, is one called Foundry, which is basically a satisfactory uh, Factorio-type game, but it has a voxel minecraft thing going on where everything's very blocky and that's kind of the the grid that you're on um it's made by paradox which is kind of why i'm uh interested <laughs> because i have faith in them for making good in-depth games um what i like about it is that you're on like an alien world so all the ores and everything are just made up stuff like you're not necessarily mining for iron and copper and the usual kind of stuff. You're just you're mining for you're mining for the same sort of stuff, but it's got its own unique kind of creative fictional name, <laughs> which kind of just makes it that little bit more interesting. Uh, we're 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 almost halfway through. Um, <laughs> halfway through. Oh my god! <laughs> a cool game called The Thaumaturge. It's an isometric mystery investigation RPG. Um, it's kind of a gothic uh, Inquisition kind of themed game where you play the character who is the Thaumaturge. Um, it's T-H-A-U-M-A-T-U-R-G-E for anyone who's interested. Um, 
it looks like it's got a really interesting story uh, where you basically go to places, talk to characters, solve a mystery. It's very RPG-like um, and very much about investigation and solving mysteries as opposed to action and fighting. Um, so the, the theming is just really cool. It's like medieval slash turn-of-the-century um, gothic kind of theming to the point that like one of the characters you meet early on in the demo is Rasputin, who I like as a character because he's got some interesting lore. <laughs> so that one seemed very cool and that's coming out in December as well so I think I'll probably be picking that one up uh, there's a colony building sim called Pioneers of Pagonia uh, made me feel like I was playing Banished which is really good because I loved Banished <laughs> I was about to ask you if it was a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> very good thing uh, the music was very good the, they had a lot of good like ambience of your colony kind of working and stuff lots of good sound design with um you know, the sounds of just tools and people working and doing their thing. Uh, another one called Last Train Home, which is kind of a cross between a real-time strategy and like a survival game. It's set in a post-World War One kind of Czechoslovakian, Siberian kind of area. Uh, and it has like a fictional skew on that it's about czech soldiers basically trying to make their way home after world war one uh on a train which hence the name of the game last train home and as they travel they obviously encounter enemies and have to you know survive and that kind of thing and you need to so you need to find resources to support your soldiers as you travel fight enemies um i really like those kind of like little niche bits of history which you otherwise don't know about because I think it's based on true events. Um, so that was cool. Uh, another one called Leica Aged Through Blood, which was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's well, my notes say super cool and interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> and that's well, it is, because you're, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really cool and fun. Like, it's a 2D, I, I, I'm hesitating saying platformer because it's not, but it's like a 2D platformer, but the whole time you're riding a motorbike. So you're zooming across the screen and it's set into in like a post-apocalyptic world. So it's quite barren at times or it's quite populated with like enemies and stuff. But you ride your bike and as you kind of drive your bike across the, across the screen, you can like shoot at dudes and there's like slow motion when you shoot at people and stuff. You can do stuff like if you go off a jump, and you put your bike between you and an enemy and they shoot, your bike will act like a shield. Um, if you do a flip when you are when you go off a jump, that's how you reload your gun. Um, it's just really, really cool and a lot of fun. And it's one of those ones where it's just, it's very much a gimmick because the whole gimmick is that you're riding a motorbike instead of running and jumping. But that made it a lot of fun. So yeah, I'll definitely be looking at that. That comes out 4th of November, so that's really soon. Uh, crime Scene Cleaner. Viscera cleanup detail, except it's a realistic crime scene. It's pretty much all I need to say. If you like that, you like that. It was a good one. I am interested in checking it out. Uh, Gunhead. I don't know if anyone's played the game Cryptarch. No. Which was... <laughs> it's a. I played it a while ago. It's a 2D roguelike twin-stick shooter where basically you... There are these procedurally generated spaceships and you uh, go into them to disable systems and essentially disable their mainframe 
and then grab your loot and get out kind of thing and get paid for it. Gunhead is basically the exact same game, except it's from a first-person perspective. So where Cryptarch was like a 2D uh, third-person perspective where you'd fly through the ship and you know shoot enemies and stuff. And there's different systems and things. So you've got to kind of plan your attack. So you might want to go in and disable the alarms first. Then you might want to go in and disable the turrets, that system, and then eventually make your way to the mainframe, fight the mainframe because it's got its defenses and things, um, destroy the ship, and you win. So it's basically exact. It is literally exactly the same game as Cryptarch, except it's first person. So it's all three D rendered, and from a first person perspective, I thought it would be shit, but it actually really works, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that sounds like a it's an easy title. sell of. <laughs> uh yeah another one called the crust which is a basically a factory builder on the moon it's one of those games where you build uh build a factory on top of the surface but then it's got a beneath the surface level as well which you build drones and things to mine out resources just seems like a cool version of one of those um a game called the last exterminator which is a duke nukem 3d shooter F- FPS basically like that era kind of retro FPS not really sure much about it I just kind of loaded up played it for two seconds went yep cool I'll play that and then closed it because <laughs> part of my thing with demos is I like to play them as long as I need to play them until I either want to buy it or don't want to see it ever again so <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily finish demos if I'm convinced really quickly uh, similarly another game called Jusant which comes out very soon on the end of the month, which is by Don't Nod, who did Life is Strange and those games. Um, this one is a rock climbing game. Uh, nothing like Life is Strange or anything, but I really like they, they, I only played it for, again, short for a short amount of time because I was sold really quickly. But um, the rock climbing essentially where you like, you know, move your hand to a handhold and then another one to another one and all that. They've, got a really good control scheme going with it so it feels like you're actually you know doing something with your controls you're not just pointing up to climb up the mountain you're actually pushing buttons to make yourself grab handholds and you know move your way up so yeah definitely keen for that uh songs of silence was one apparently i liked i don't remember at all <laughs> apparently i re-loved the art because my notes say wonderful art it's a deck building battler type of deal did i mention the art you really so, like the art I think I really like the art. My final note for that game was the whole presentation's what really drew me in. <laughs> because I don't really dig uh, deck builders that much anyway. So obviously this one looked really cool and I really enjoyed it. So Songs of Silence is one to look out for. Um, one that has already come out actually on the 21st of October, Conquistadorio, which is a point and click. Looks like a pretty classic point and click. Um, you play this dead conquistador. And again, I didn't play very much of it. I just played it for like five minutes. Went, yep. I mean, the art looks cool. The soundtrack was cool. It's a point and click. Sounds cool to me. Uh, a Norwegian game I played called Snufkin Melody of Moomin Valley, which for mm-hmm. like those playing along has a sound. Moomin? Like the cow thingy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> um, but. Other than the game being cool because it's like a, a nice little uh, point-and-clicky kind of game. The soundtrack is by Sigur Ross. If anyone is into Sigur Ross, 
they're quite a big deal. Um, and the story is all based on Norwegian folk stories. And if there's something I love in games, it's folk stories. So, yeah, definitely into that one. Uh, there was a clicker game called Micro Civilization, which I liked because it's a clicker, as in, you know, just make the numbers get bigger. But you do need to balance uh, different elements in the civilization for it to survive. And there's like random events that um, might hurt your population, that kind of thing. So essentially, it's not a completely idle game, but it's uh, a bit more engaging than it probably should be. Uh, one of the coolest games I've almost done, <laughs> one of the other coolest games that I played was one called American Arcadia. Very cool game. Kind of uh, 2.5D in its execution. It's all themed like, you know, those games which are like uh, as if everything is still the 1970s in America. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the technology and everything is kind of old, but they're doing new stuff with it kind of stuff. And um that kind of thing. And he plays this dude who basically rocks up and starts, you know, your 2D pla- platforming, but you're just walking kind of not so much platforming. You're just kind of moving in a 2.5D space. Um, and you go into work one day and you work for some technology company and you kind of get a call from someone who's like, hey, there's some shady stuff going on. You need to help me out by sneaking into the other offices and getting me some information. And that's when it kind of the cool part of the game cuts in because it cuts to the person who's talking to you on the phone, who's watching you through security cameras and you play as her. So you play then as both characters where on one version, you're playing as the guy who's moving through the space. But then in the other version, you're playing as the woman who's sitting behind a computer and looking through security cameras and manipulating the environment and stuff for the guy to then move through. It kind of reminds me of Operation Dango, I think it was. Well, see, I haven't played that, so <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> um, it was very cool either way. Like, I'm, I'm definitely I'm going to have to check out Operation Tango now as well because I think that's on PS Plus or Game Pass or something. I so, think it is. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to check it that out. It is uh, a co-op game, though. Oh, okay. Well, this one is definitely single player, but it is that kind of you're playing from two perspectives to kind of help each other out. Like... If you play as the dude, you might run into like a, a door that's locked. So then you switch back to the, the woman who looks at a security camera somewhere to find the code to unlock the door, tells him about it. He unlocks the door and goes through and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, very cool kind of concept. It looks really a lot of fun and very well put together. Like the soundtrack's cool. The aesthetic is very cool. Um, yeah. Keen to check that one out. That's coming out mid-November. Uh Another game called Pixel Cafe, which reminded me a lot of uh, Valhalla, or combined with a bit of Cook Serve Delicious. <laughs> um, okay, that's an interesting combination you got there. Yeah, so it's got the kind of story stuff that feels a bit like Valhalla, um, and that kind of aesthetic. And at the very start, you start off working behind a bar, and... Um, You've got basically a, a bunch of tools and ingredients in front of you and people come up, order something, you make it and give it to them. Um, so it's kind of like a job simulator kind of thing. It gets more complex, which is where like the cook, serve, delicious comes in because it can actually get quite complex in the uh, making side of it, the actual job side of it. Um, as opposed to like Valhalla had like making cocktails and stuff, but it was essentially pretty straightforward and fairly easy and not challenging. 
Whereas Pixel Cafe, when you're making and fulfilling orders, you can actually stuff it up and it can be quite challenging to, you know, complete. Um, so that looks really cool if you're into that sort of game. Uh, might be a while before that comes out, though. Uh, there's a cool little game called Don't Die in the West, which is an interesting isometric game where you start a ranch in the West. It's like an old, you know, Western style. Uh, by that I mean, like, you know, cowboys kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and you kind of have to start a ranch and start, you know, uh, doing that as a job. It's kind of a bit. I don't want to say Stardew Valley because it's nothing like it, but it's that kind of thing where you start your own uh, bit of land and start working it and that kind of thing. But then there are, you know, cowboy enemies and stuff that you have to deal with and bandits and things. Looks interesting. It's very cute. Uh, That's coming out soon. Uh, Yeah, another one I tried was Three Minutes to Eight, which came out recently. It's got a cool little uh, time-related mechanic uh, where things happen at specific times of day so to solve the mysteries in the game, you have to manipulate time and kind of discover things at certain times and that sort of thing. It's that kind of game. It's a kind of 2D investigation type deal. Uh, another one, oh, cool game I played, which I do remember because it was very good, was one called The Diary, where essentially you're, it was a really interesting way of telling a story because you're, you're, work, you're kind of going through someone else's diary but everything is kind of out of order and you've got to put it in order. So there are like conversations from text messages and stuff where you get each person's uh, piece of the conversation and you have to kind of put it in order to solve it and read the conversation. And it's a bit, it's essentially um, starts off where in the demo you're, you're reading it and it's, it sounds like you're reading the diary of a woman and her, she meets a dude, falls in love Ra ra ra! It's all good, and then everything goes badly, and you know they end up breaking up. Cool relationship story. But then it flips to the back of the diary, and you start from the other end, and it becomes apparent that you're actually not reading it from her perspective; you're reading it from his perspective. So this whole story changes, even though it's the same stuff. But because you now know that you're reading it from a different perspective, it it's a completely different story essentially. And it, or it's a, at least a different version of the same story. Um, so that seems really cool. I, I, it's another one of those ones that I hope there's a lot more to it than what was in the demo because I can see it being fairly, uh, short and underwhelming if there's not much more to it, but it's a really cool, different way of telling a story. So I'm into it. Uh, another one I really liked called simpler times, which I, it's kind of hard to describe. It's, it's very much a narrative game. It's, it's again, one of those games where the developer's telling a story that seems very personal to them um, and very unique to them. Um, there's different types of gameplay. Like, you basically go through different scenes that tell you different things. And in the scenes, you you kind of just... It's kind of visual novelly, but then there's some scenes where you have to put stuff together, like find objects and kind of put them together to progress the story. Um but yeah, very cool. Uh, and then that actually brings me to the very last one, which I've kind of already spoken about, which is Poems and Codes, which I have been playing. Um, I enjoyed the demo, but I've been playing the full game and it's very cool. Uh, one of my notes I put on there is that Poems and Codes is very much a me kind of game, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> so I feel like it's not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. Uh, but yeah. 
that's my they're, they're the games i played that actually made it onto my wish list which is a fair few at the end of the day <laughs> but um there were a lot of other ones which i played where yeah they they're a bit weird um or undercooked or just shouldn't have been released or just yeah i don't know a lot of them felt like prototypes actually that's the best <laughs> word i could come up with for it not not like an early access game or anything but an actual like prototype like i've started making a game i've made a very basic prototype so i'm going to put that out as the demo while i keep working on the game <laughs> um and that's kind of annoying because most prototypes are not going to sell me on the game because most prototypes are crap but they're meant to be so that's okay <laughs> so yeah that's my next fest experience which was fueled by covid as well so <laughs> that's why some of them i don't remember very well but um <laughs> it's also yep. why i got through so many but uh yeah i think i think i've given everyone enough of an onslaught of game titles and what they're about to <laughs> last forever now so that's where i'm going to end it <laughs> and i'm going to jump straight into quizzing paula about a game in her library unless there's something else you wanted to add paula about the next first demo sorry mm, i didn't want to cut really you off. like the only thing that I'm like a little bum up, uh, about is that um, I didn't find like quote unquote that game that made me obsess over it. Yeah. Uh, in prior uh, times, it has been a Timberborn. Uh, I put a lot of time to that demo. Bojancraft, I think I put like seven <laughs> hours into that demo. <laughs> And nice. uh, well, what lies in the multiverse was a Steam Next Fest uh, them at some point. So yeah, like mm-hmm. I still enjoyed, uh, especially like um, the the third game that I talk about, Cobalt something. Um, but it wasn't like that game. Like I really look forward to. <laughs> uh, but still fine, still fine. I only played like a couple of demos. It's fine that I didn't uh, find like a hidden gem or the creme de la creme uh, going through them. <laughs> uh, but still, yeah. Um, it, it, that's the one thing that I feel like I was lacking this time around. But mm. yeah. Well, and yeah, like, like I say, even even with the the janky demos I played and the ones that were kind of crap, the ones that were good were mm-hmm. genuinely good and. I definitely think if, if if anyone listening to this isn't used to trying out demos on Steam or anything, like when it, when a next fest kind of comes around, it's a great way to basically just try out some demos. And there's some really, uh, it's a good way to be surprised by games that you wouldn't expect uh, to surprise you as well. And there's a good category on Steam when they do it. And this is basically what I went through as well, where they just give you, there's a good like recommended for you category. And that's how I found games like uh, Ete, which was probably my favorite. And it was probably was that highlight game of all the demos that I played because it's the one I think of first when I think about all the demos I played. Um, but yeah, that's where I found games like that or like some of the more niche kind of little indie games, which seemed really interesting. Um, yeah, as opposed to like then looking at the most popular list where I played a bunch of them as well and probably half of them I didn't really... Or well, most of them I didn't really care for. So yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And it's it's all free, of course. So you can't really go mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> Although you're spending your time and you know, it could be argued that anyway. 
Let's um, think about that. <laughs> that that yeah, that's another <laughs> rabbit hole. So get your thinking cap on <laughs> and get ready for some juicy clues. Uh, so the first one for a main playthrough. What was I going to give you? Oh, that's right. Very simple uh, comment on a quicker playthrough. This was an eight hours and 55 minute completion. Okay. And that is on the, the quicker side to average. And the, this is where I don't know if it's going to give it away or not, but I'll be interested. Um, <laughs> the comment is 99 of 155 puzzles. Professor Layton game? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, is it the Curious Village? Nope. <laughs> uh, what's the name? Uh, Pandora's Box? Nope. <laughs> and one feature? Nope. <laughs> I think the others have more puzzles. Uh, Astron Legacy? No. <laughs> um, it's like me guessing GTA games last time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, something, something mask. Um, no, and one feature is those future. Oh, what was the first one called? Fuck me. <laughs> Um, the Miracle Mask? Nope. <laughs> um, like, I have the game in my mind, but I can't remember the fucking name of it. <laughs> this might work out well. <laughs> um, I mean, you're on the right track. <laughs> is it the crossover with Phoenix, right? I I don't think that one is that one, but I don't know, but I don't think so. Oh, is it Catriel? The Catriel one? Uh, don't know. <laughs> no. Is Catriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy? Oh, I no, think no, no, it no. was. No. It has to be that one. Oh my god, what was the name of it? Is it cheating if I Google the name? Like, I know it is the fourth Laydon game, no, no, no. but you, I don't... You, you gotta remember it. You gotta, you gotta remember it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't have the key either. I can't look at the fucking books. I mean, you've pretty much got it already. <laughs> <laughs> it is the fourth one. <laughs> Yeah, but I can't. Let me try to remember the name. Um, like I remember, like what was it about? I know it's the game where uh, Luke met the professor, and there was like a kind of like Luke Ness monster thing. But I can't remember the fucking name for to save my life. It's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty cool item. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you anyway. You've got it. But <laughs> uh, the description is Professor Layton is back with a puzzling prequel. Yeah. This fourth installment of the Professor Layton puzzle adventure series begins a new trilogy that is a prequel to the original games. Yeah. 
Three years before the events in the Curious Village game, Professor Layton receives a letter from his old schoolmate Clark, telling him that a mysterious giant is destroying the town. Blah, 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 blah. It's Professor Layton and the last Spectre. The one title I didn't remember is the one that was. Yes, congratulations, Professor Layton and the last Spectre. Uh, Yeah, you said it was the fourth one, so that's good enough for me. That's another three points for you, Paula. Bringing you up to... 11 points. uh, Handy 11, almost double my six. So I'm coming for you next time. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think that pretty much does us for this epic demo-laden episode. Well then, uh, thank you everyone for li- for listening. Maybe you could write down in the comments what game from the Steam Next Fest uh, you like, if any. Absolutely. And we'll see you on the next week. We'll, you'll hear us next week. Whatever. Yeah, we'll be back. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.